An attempt to forecast the initial Giants 53-man roster, special guest Nick Filato joins us on today's live program as we take a look at each position group that's coming up next on the Locked on Giants podcast. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. I'm Patricia Traina, and shortly I'm going to be joined by Nick Filato. We are going to talk New York Giants roster. We're going to try our best to forecast some of the moves um, that the Giants are going to be making um, by 4 p.m. tomorrow's deadline. Now, the Giants have already made some moves. Uh, for those of you who missed it, uh, the guys that they cut, I think it's like, let me see, seven guys were cut. Josh Rivas, guard. Yusef Corker, safety. Kicker Ryan Santoso. Receiver Keelan Doss. Receiver Travis Toivonen, Toivonen excuse me. Um, Elijah Griffin, defensive back. And uh, Smith, uh, that would be Eric Smith, the offensive tackle. So those guys have been um, have been cut. So let me bring on Nick. All right, Mr. Nick. Can't hear you. Nick, are you uh, muted? Mr. Nick is it? Let's got the Nick is uh, muted there. So let's just go ahead and I should be here now. Yes, there, there he is. Yeah, let me just turn the gain up a little bit here on the Scarlet Focus Right 2i2. How you guys doing? Doing well. I was just running down the list of uh, roster moves that have already been made. Um, seven guys gone, but uh, still plenty of decisions to be made here, Nick. And uh, I don't know how they're going to make some of these decisions. These are tough. Patty, I don't even, first off, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I'm not 100% certain what direction the Giants are going to go in, and it starts right at that quarterback position. Are they going to carry three? Because you have two quarterbacks who are injury-prone, who have been injured throughout their career. We saw Tyrod Taylor get dinged up with the back injury. It seems like he's going to be okay. And then you have the reality that Davis Webb has stepped up and seized the day. Do you really want to risk trying to slip him through waivers when he might mean a lot to this team from even like a player-coach type of standpoint? I just don't know, ultimately, if there's a roster spot to carry three with all the injuries throughout the roster. So it's a fascinating year for roster predictions in the first year in the Dable-Shane era. Indeed. And, of course, let's uh, let me just see. These are the quarterbacks. We just talked a little bit about it. Daniel Jones, Tyrod Taylor, Davis Webb. Nick, you know, you mentioned Tyrod Taylor with the injury. Daniel Jones has the injury history. But, you know, you mentioned Davis Webb. I think they they find a spot for him, whether it's practice squad or the 53. I think, you know, Davis Webb came down here, wanted to be part of this program. Um, if they were to put him on waivers, I could see Davis Webb saying, you know, if, if somebody else were to come along, say, nope, want to stay with the Giants. I mean, do you agree, disagree? It seems like he really likes it here, and he's very comfortable. I don't think he necessarily has delusions of grandeur that he's going to go and be a starting quarterback 
somewhere else. This is someone who almost retired and became a coach, knows this system, very comfortable, very poised. So yes, I tend to agree with that. I don't know what he personally feels, but it does align and make sense that he would want to stay here in New York, maximize Daniel Jones. And if the opportunity arises that those two quarterbacks get injured, he would step up in a place where he's very comfortable with the coach he knows very well. Yeah, indeed. So, I mean, quarterback, not too difficult a decision. And, you know, here's the other thing. if they Even if they put Davis Webb on, on the practice squad, I could see him bouncing up and down between the, the roster and the practice squad based on the numbers. I mean, if they need the number, if they need a spot, you take it from the third quarterback spot. If you don't need it, you leave Davis Webb on the roster. I think that makes a lot of sense. It's just... And I don't know if a team around the NFL would come and pick Davis Webb and assign him to their 53-man roster. And if they're comfortable with putting him out there, then that makes complete sense, Patty. All right. Well, let's take a look at the running backs because this is a tough one, I think. You've got Barkley and Breida who are locks. Then behind them, you got Gary Brightwell, Antonio Williams, Jashawn Corbin, Sandra Platzkumer. You're going to probably keep four, I would think, here. Wouldn't you agree? I would agree, and I've gone back and forth on three and four, and on the show that Dan Schneier and I did, Big Blue Banter podcast, I, I went with four, and I think I'm going to stick with four with Corbin and Plotzgammer being the odd men out. I think Corbin has talent. I think he's destined for the practice squad. I think the Giants kind of showed you as much when he didn't play in the first half, and he basically handled most of those second half reps. I think he's a good receiving asset, but... You want Gary Brightwell. He got the first reps after Matt Breida, and he's a special teams asset as a returner right now. And then Antonio Williams has three special teams tackles so far through just this preseason. So I think he also has some special teams upside as a gunner and then on kickoff and things like that. And if something were to happen to Barkley, I think he has a more physical type of profile than someone like Matt Breida to where Breida and him can form a one-two type of punch to kind of be a little bit of insurance. So I think it makes sense to have four of those running backs make the team. Now, in one scenario I saw, it was interesting. Somebody suggested that they maybe go with three because, you know, Dable, I guess, doesn't rely as heavily on the running game. I think that's calling a little too close. Wouldn't you agree on that? I don't know if, like, I've, I've gone back and forth on the three and four, and I ultimately settled on four, but it does make sense because of the injuries that we talked about before. The fact that this offensive line, I mean, what are we going to go into it with nine? I wouldn't think it's unreasonable if they wanted to enter with 10. Then you have a bunch of edge rushers, too, that are very interesting. And I also think, and I'm sure you probably prefaced this before I entered this podcast, Giants are going to be super active. Uh, once the cutdowns happen. I mean, every team around the NFL is releasing 27 players, and I expect the Giants to really bring in and turn over this roster with a lot of the guys who were in training camp with other teams. And they're going to have to, of course, clear salary cap space to do that because they don't have a whole lot. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Leonard Williams, that's a deal that I'm watching to see if that deal gets adjusted mm. because that's where you would get the money from. You're not going to touch Kenny Galladay's contract, not if you want to get that contract off your books sooner than later. So I think Williams makes the most sense. And then you'll get some money back, obviously, as you cut veteran guys, you know, if they move, for example, Darius Slayton, who we'll talk about in just a little bit, uh, that's 2.5 million right there. So you'll have to see how it kind of, you know, shapes out there, but uh, running back to me that, you know, I think they go with four and then they have, um, and we can segue here into the tight ends group. Uh, Chris Myrick has been working as a fullback slash H back. Um, at tight end, you know, Bellinger's a lock. You figure Myrick's a lock. And then who after that do you keep or do you just go with two? So it's interesting. And I haven't seen the all 22 of the offense yet. 
but I saw a lot of Tanner Hudson playing wide receiver throughout the second half yesterday. And I'm wondering if they're just trying to feel him out to see if he's athletic enough to execute those assignments or what, or if they just don't really have the bodies that they want to put out there and this guy's expendable. They just brought him in. So they don't know a lot about this player. And I'm intrigued by Tanner Hudson. And I had three tight ends on the show that I did with Dan, big blue banter. <laughs> but I kind of ultimately think, Patty, that they're going to look either elsewhere or keep four. I don't know if they really want to roll into the season with two rookies, two rookies on the final roster. I mean, Austin Allen, he's primed for the practice squad. I, I, I kind of think that's I think they're going to look and try to bring in another tight end who was cut from another team. I mean, possibly the New York Jets. They just got an up-close look on them. And then, dude, they have like seven or eight tight ends. I mean, Kenny Yaboa was out there throwing blocks and being a receiving threat. You have guys like Trevon Wesco, who's also similar to Chris Myrick, a fullback, H-back, you know, sniffer type of player. So I think they're going to go and, and bring in another tight end. So there'll probably be somebody who's not on the, currently on the roster there after the final 53 is finalized. Yeah, I think I'm, I, I agree with you on that, Nick, because the tight end situation, it's kind of scary. You know, they brought in initially Ricky C. Jones to be that veteran presence. He's on IR. Jordan Aikens didn't work out. Um, so, yeah, that's they. Got, I, I think that's a position they still need to to address. And I would be shocked if they don't add somebody. Tanner Hudson, I don't know. Did we get a good enough feel for him? I, I'm not so sure we did. No, we didn't really see too much. I think he had he caught the one target that he had, and he ran a nice kind of a post route to open up the wheel to Austin Allen. That was a nice post wheel combination to the boundary and that post route outward stem to take that deep third player away. And then Austin Allen did a good job separating from the linebacker who was also paying attention to the running back leaking out into the flat. That was a nice play design by Mike Kafka and Brian Dable. And it was a nice route by Tanner Hudson, but ultimately we don't know yet, but I wouldn't be shocked if they try to keep in, but I think it's just going to be fluid situation. Maybe even the first couple weeks of the season until they really figure out who it is. Hopefully Daniel Bellinger is okay after the concussion. He can seize the day yeah. there. Yeah, that's a good point. Injuries are going to be a big factor in who they keep and who they they uh, maybe add. And if they need to steal from different positions to boost up their numbers. And, you know, it's interesting on Coach Dable's uh, conference call that he just finished with the media a little while ago. I said to him, you know, are you going to base your, your roster on numbers or are you going to, you know, especially you're facing, for example, the Tennessee Titans, which is a run heavy team. So are you going to base it and say, okay, we need more big bodies for week one and then we'll adjust for, you know, the following weeks, or is it strictly going to be on based on performance? And he, he admitted that it's a combination of the two. It is. And I'm, we're not talking about the interior defensive line yet, but I think that's going to suggest that the Giants definitely are going to keep five. But who? Yeah. And Justin Ellis is the one player that I'm looking at. Like, that's the nose. That's the anchor run defense kind of guy. But ultimately, I don't think he would make this team if it weren't for Giants playing Tennessee week one. That could factor into this. Yeah. Well, we'll, t we'll get to the to defense in just a bit. But let's look at the receive. Uh, I'm sorry, the off. Did I do the offensive lineman? I wanted the receivers. Okay. I have two, two slides, but. Uh, I'm sorry, I had I mislabeled it, but all right, let's talk receivers. Um, I'm gonna have to go off of memory here with with who they got. Now they've already cut um, Keelan Doss. They cut Toy Vonin. Um, Griffin is a DB. So receivers, we know Galladay, Tony, um, Shepard, and uh, Wandale Robinson. Those four are locks. Do you keep six 
Do you go with seven because Tony is still banged up? You know, Shepard's coming off of the the uh, Achilles and, and, and the pup. So they're still ramping him up. Do you go with six or seven at receiver? I have six, Patty. And we're hearing rumors. Adam <laughs> Shepard tweeted that Darius Slayton, the Giants are shopping. Him, or people are calling the Giants about Darius Slayton. So I think Darius Slayton isn't going to make this roster and he'll be elsewhere in short time. And I have David Sills and Richie James being those other two receivers. Look, David Sills is getting first team reps. I I'm going to be a little shocked if he doesn't make this team. And then Richie James, he had a really good camp and he balled out in those earlier preseason games, making a lot of plays. Wish he was a little bit stronger at the catch point in contested catch situations. Does have some special teams upside. I had them with six and I'm a little bit concerned just about deep speed and separation ability with this group. Now you have a lot of those guys who are in ideally in interior fits, right? Like Kadarius Tony, like Wandell Robinson, like Sterling Shepard. Can they play outside? Yes, but ideally you want them to be the slot. And then your outside guys are David Sills and Kenny Galladay. Neither of those guys are big separators. Darius Slayton actually can create separation. He's been one of the most inefficient wide receivers over the last two years. Yes, but he still has value, but I ultimately don't think he's going to make this team. And I, I question just the deep speed on the outside with this group of wide receivers. Yeah, you know, a lot of people, you know, mentioned Alex Bachman, who had kind of like a Victor Cruz breakout game a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if that's enough to to push him to the to the fifty three. I, I I mean, he would be what a slot, and if you're going to have Tony and Shepard and and Wandale, I, I just think he gets caught up in the numbers. I agree, and it's just really. I want to say interesting, unique, weird. Uh, I don't know if interesting is a euphemism for it, but the the collection of talent there at the wide receiver position is it's going to be fun to watch but it could be frustrating if the giants really struggle to you know take the top off of defenses from the outside portions because we know kenny galladay that that negative drumbeat has just been really really loud right now and and he hasn't really created much separation at all and that's a big part of having success especially if you want the run game to operate if you want to give you know the intermediate and the short options in the pass game if you want to <laughs> give them some sort of reprieve, you're going to need to threaten the safeties with speed. Well, let me ask you this with Kenny Galladay. Is it possible that maybe they held back a little bit on what they're going to do with him the way they did with Robinson? I mean, he played a decent amount of snaps with first team and barely saw a lot of work. He had the one catch, which was on like a third and like 16 or something. And it was a, a short little catch in the intermediate part of the field on a crosser had the drop, which was unfortunate. And I think Kenny Galladay is getting a lot of negative headlines right now. And I think some of them are, I think it's a little bit of a stretch, like the blocking, like he had no idea that Brita bounced the run outside of the three hole and towards his side. He was just positioning himself on an RPO. I, I don't really look at that and be like, Oh, this guy just mailed it in the, the route that he dropped. I hate the fact that he dropped it back in week one, but that's a delayed release where he's allowing the number two and the number three receiver to get into their route because they were the clear out route for his little in-breaking route. So he's taking a lot of strays right now that I don't believe are warranted, but I believe criticism is warranted for Kenny Galladay because you're getting paid $72 million and you've done nothing since you've become a New York Giant. And honestly, he's done nothing in the NFL essentially since 2019, which is really alarming when he's had hip surgery. Yeah. And, and there's been some talk about whether that hip is actually good to go if, if, if he's ever going to be the same exactly it's 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 a scary it's a scary situation right now with all that money tied up in the kenny galladay and he has to produce but he might just not have it anymore that that's a realistic outcome for kenny galladay and that's an ugly contract he's got there i mean i i 
would not be surprised if Joe Shane wants to dump that contract as soon as he can. I know. And you want a little crazy thing just because we're talking about wide receivers? I feel like if Colin Johnson didn't get hurt, I would feel so much better about this wide receiver room. And I would have never, never, Locked on Giants audience, I would have never said that just a month or two ago. And I liked Colin Johnson a lot. Coming out of Texas and everything, I thought he was a, a good, fluid, vertical threat who is a big body, good in contested catch situations. But man, he had such a good camp. And then he goes down with this Achilles and it's just devastating because that dude was a lock. Patty, he was a lock. Yes, for he was. And, and he could have been that guy who, if Kenny Galladay does, you know, stink. The poor man's you, Galladay, right? Yeah, but is he even a poor man's Galladay at this point? Just from what we've seen from Galladay. And I know that's a little bit hyperbolic at this point. But what have we seen from Galladay to suggest that he is the Kenny Galladay that he was when he was thriving in Detroit and leading the NFL in receiving touchdowns? Yeah. Definitely. But that, that was a miss, you know, an unfortunate injury. And Colin Johnson was a guy I actually got excited about last year because I talked to our uh, locked on Jaguars host, Tony Wiggins. And he said, my God, you guys got to steal with this guy, speed, length, you know, good hands. And we started to see it this year. And, you know, then the old injury bug strikes again, this team, what do they have to do to stay healthy? My goodness. I don't know. Ever since I started covering this team and even throughout my childhood, I felt like this team was always. Oh, so it's your fault? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe it's (laughs) millennials. These damn millennials fall. That's who it is. I don't know, man, but we got to figure out. They got to figure out how to how to curtail this uh, injury bug for sure. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. I do have to run a couple commercials. We'll do one now, one in a little bit, but we're still going to run through the rest of the roster. We're going to talk about offensive line, defensive line. We're going to take your questions. So I see some of you are popping questions into the comment section. Hold those until the end, and uh, we'll take some of your questions to round out the show. We'll be right back after these words. All right, Giant fans, we have more coming up on today's Locked on Giants podcast. But first, if you are planning your fantasy sports or betting action for the 2022 NFL season, for MLB, for any of your favorite sports, the process has never been easier when you use prize picks. You can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. There's no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available for any of the major sporting leagues. Entries can be made in as few as 60 seconds. It's that easy. Prize Picks is currently operational in over 30 states and in Canada, and they offer safe and fast withdrawals. So download Prize Picks app today or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. Don't forget to enter that promo code locked on at sign up to get an instant deposit match up to $100. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to the Locked On Giants podcast. I'm Patricia Trena. On the men from COVID. Still sound a little off, but uh, I'm, I'm doing the best I can for you guys. Joined by Nick Filato, one of my favorite guests. Got the, one of those multi-million dollar smiles that just absolutely <laughs> lights up a room. And we are talking New York Giants roster predictions. And there's some tough decisions here. Um, we're going to talk about the guys in the interior in this next segment. And again, if you have questions for myself or for Nick, hold on to them towards the end. We'll get to, to uh, a few of them once we go through the entire roster. So, Nick. Let's take a look at the offensive line. All right. So here's what we got for offensive line. 
and uh, some injuries here that we have to take into consideration because I think these injuries are going to affect what the Giants do um, as far as guys. Now, for those who don't um, or aren't aware, you have to move a guy. If, if you want a guy back from IR, he has to be on the initial 53. You cannot put him on PUP, all right, because once a guy passes training camp physical, he cannot go on PUP. So let's say, for example, Shane Lemieux. If Shane Lemieux is not going to be ready, but you know he's going to be ready maybe in the second half of the season and you want to have him, you have to put him on the initial 53. And then there's a window that opens up where you can move guys off the 53 to IR. So that's the rule regarding rosters. Nick, with that said, we know Lemieux's banged up. We know Ben Bredesen is banged up. How does this affect what you would do with the offensive line? So just in terms of the personnel, because I think you bring up an excellent point. I think Shane Lemieux is going to end up on the IR, unfortunately. And I don't know how serious Ben Bredesen's injury is. Maybe you have a little bit more information on that. But I have the Giants currently having nine of these guys make the final 53. And with one of them who I'm not confident in at all, and I think maybe some of these guys can make it. And then once other players are cut around the National Football League, the Giants bring in other guys. Bobby Johnson can groom within the system. They can be backups and possibly find some snaps because that left guard spot right now without Shane Lemieux, you're looking at Devery Hamilton possibly as the starter, right? Because Joshua Zudu, he's a little bit banged up. Is he ready to actually step in even if he wasn't banged up? That's, you know, conversation maybe for another day. But I have Andrew Thomas Shane Lemieux, who's a possible IR candidate, John Feliciano, Glowinski, Neil, Azudu, Bredesen, Devery Hamilton, and then Jamil Douglas. I'm not confident in the Jamil Douglas pick. I think his time in Buffalo might help him a little bit to make this roster. His experience with Bobby Johnson, I haven't been overly impressed from the little bit that we have seen from Jamil Douglas. And the fact that he's missed training camp time doesn't help him all that much. I think maybe the Giants will look and sign somebody from another team. But yeah, I have nine right now. And I don't even know if that's too, you know, conservative. Could it even, could it even be 10 with all, a lot of these guys being banged up and missing time? Well, here's a question for you. And, and I was kind of hoping that, you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure I asked it of Dable and I don't know if he understood it or just didn't want to answer it. But if you're putting these guys together now in the past, Giants would cut guys and we, we would never hear from them again, or very few we would hear from. That's probably not going to be the case this year. So if you're the Giants, do you say, okay, we're going to keep extra where we can because we don't want to expose these guys to waivers, you know, and, and waivers, by the way, applies only to guys with four or fewer years experience. Anybody with more than four years experience automatically becomes a UFA, can sign with, with whatever team. They don't have to go through the waiver wire. Yeah, with in terms of the offensive line, I'm not really 100% sure, Patty, exactly. I mean... Some of these guys, I would have, I would have been more confident in that if you know Marcus McKethan never got injured, or or some of those guys who got injured along the offensive line, specifically him, a young player who would be subject to waivers. I would be more confident to say that that might be the case if that were were it. But looking at this roster, I mean, who who exactly are they doing that for? Like Garrett McGinn, they already cut Josh Revis. I believe they cut Eric Smith. You have mm-hmm. veteran guys like Max Garcia and Will Holden who would just become free agents, as you alluded to. So. I'm not certain. Do you have a beat on that? With regards to uh, the injuries you're talking about? Oh, no. I, I, I Maybe I misunderstood your question. I thought you were talking about the Giants keeping extra. Oh, oh about keep, oh. keeping guys. Yeah. Um, I don't know. See, I would be inclined to keep nine because I, I think there's going to be another offensive lineman uh, that they're going to add from another team. 
Yeah. Because you're right. The left guard spot, if you look at the original plan, what they had in mind for that offensive line, they had experience along the interior. And then, you know, Evan Neal's the young kid on at right tackle. Andrew Thomas, you know, you can't really call him a young kid anymore, even though he is still kind of young. Um, but the interior has, has, you know, been the problem for this team uh, on the offensive line. And now you've got, you know, Devery Hamilton has played well, but do you want him as your, your full-time starter until Lemieux is ready? I, I, I don't know. I don't think, uh, I don't know on that. Neither do I. I mean, it's somebody who was a tackle for a lot of his career, right. and he's been admirable as a guard, and I think he has a decent amount of solid reps through the preseason. But I'm thinking, man, the Giants could hold someone like a Max Garcia because of this situation, somebody who maybe would not have made the team if it weren't for these injuries, but somebody who has guard and center experience because you got to look at John Feliciano. He's had these little nagging injuries all throughout training camp and had to be spelled for this, and he was overheated for that. If he goes down, who's playing center? You know, without Ben Bredesen, there's a lot of that. That's one reason why I think that the offensive line situation right now, it's a little bit nebulous. And I don't think it's going to be something that is solved with the current construction of the roster, unless they just think Max Garcia is up for that. But even then, it's a little bit precarious. I mean, we, Patty, we, we raved about the Giants addressing the offensive line and they did such a good job. But with these little injuries, man, I still think this could be an issue. It's significantly better than what we saw last year with Matsker and Wes Martin and, and what, whoever the Giants are trotting out there. But I still think this could the offensive line, specifically the interior offensive line, could be an issue in 2022. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And by the way, I would like them to get a true center. I think mm. we're probably going to have to wait till next year for that. But, you know, basically every guy they have that can play center is, is also, I think, a converted guard. Yeah, they're not a, a true, you know, a true purebred center, so to speak. No, hundred percent, and it's uh, center is a very cerebral position, so that mm-hmm. that's something that uh, definitely is scary. Yes, indeed. All right, let's look at defensive line. All right, so we've got Ryder Anderson, DJ Davidson, Justin Ellis, Jalen Holmes, Dexter Lawrence, David Moa, Leonard Williams, and Nick Williams. What are you thinking here? You, you, I think you mentioned five. I think five is what I had on my projected list. Uh, which five are you liking here besides, you know, obviously Lawrence and Leonard Williams? This is probably the position that I'm least confident in. I think really? three, three locks is Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, DJ Davidson. But I can see a combination of Jalen Holmes, Nick Williams, Ryder Anderson, or Justin Ellis making this team. I don't think it's unreasonable to to think that Ellis could make the team because of what we mentioned before with Tennessee. Other than that, I would I would prefer Holmes and Williams. And Ryder Anderson has had a good camp, and I feel like he's flashed, generally playing with you know third against third team offenses and things of that nature. But still, I think you could probably squeak you know a 260, 270 pound defensive lineman who has some edge experience. So maybe an even front team would want to add him because dating back to his days at Indiana. In Ole Miss, he played a decent amount of edge for for down front edge. So, but I think you can get him on the practice squad realistically. Whereas Jalen Holmes and Nick Williams, Jalen Holmes is earning like first team defensive snaps, and Nick Williams has flashed basically every single preseason game. So the five that I ended up selecting were Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, DJ Davidson, Jalen Holmes, and Nick Williams. But I would not be shocked whatsoever if it's Ryder Anderson over Jalen Holmes, who also was dinged up in this past preseason game. So you have to monitor that. Or if they did want to keep Justin Ellis to be a nose, just space eater against a team like Tennessee. Well, you know, speaking of which, I was just going to say, this goes back to the question I asked of Dable. 
Tennessee, as we know, is run heavy. So you're going to want to have the big bodies up front. But normally, you could say that maybe some of the outside linebackers can come down and play on the line. We've seen different looks where, you know, maybe there's two defensive linemen and then two edge rushers or edge rusher and, and a defensive back. We've seen some funky looks. So do they maybe, I don't know, is, is keeping four out of the question? I don't think it's out of the question, especially when you have someone like Jihad Ward, who you best believe he's going to be heavily involved in week one to set the edge to the strong side against the Tennessee Titans, who are going to attempt to run the football down the New York Giants throat. And when you have a 290 pound edge rusher who is pretty athletic and can actually drop into space relative to most 290 pound football players. I think he's going to be heavily involved. I think he's going to be a big part of what the Giants are going to do on early rundowns and base type downs. Giants are going to be a nickel so much like most of the NFL, but against Tennessee, they might be a little bit more conservative with that. So I think they could keep four, but my pause there would be, what if Dexter Lawrence gets hurt? What if Leonard Williams gets hurt? And how much does that put on DJ Davidson's plate? And is he ready to handle that? Because you have this rookie involved in this situation as one of those four. And I don't know if, I just don't know if, if one of those two go down with injury, if the Giants are going to be comfortable enough to put that much on his plate. Like what's the long-term developmental plan for DJ Davidson? I think that factors into this. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think ideally five, but uh, I, I could, you know, th this is one of those situations where, if you need to steal a spot, maybe that's where you steal it from. And speaking of stealing a spot, let's look at the outside linebackers where they have some injuries. So you've got Tamon Fox, Ojulari, Roche, Ellerson Smith, Kayvon Thibodeau, Jihad Ward, O'Shane Zimenez. Um, Ellerson Smith, I think, is going to be a while. So I think he's going to be a candidate for IR. Ojulari and Thibodeau should be good to go by week one, but that's not set in stone yet. We still got another week to see how they come through. Jihad Ward dealt with some kind of uh, ailment over the summer. I mean, what do you do here? They are beat up. And I think somebody like a Fox or maybe even a Quincy Roche might make the team just because Ellerson Smith's injury. But like you said, Smith has to make that final 53. So there's spots that they're uh, not in abundance right now. And I think if you subject... Roche to waivers, he will get scooped sure up. Whereas will. Fox, maybe not. So what I ended up putting down, I had Aziz and Thibodeau, Jihad Ward, Ellison Smith, and then I had O'Shane Zimenez, who played with first team, but also played into the fourth quarter. So he was just logging a lot of snaps for the defense. But for whatever reason, it just doesn't seem like the Giants are giving Quincy Roche the shot with first team. He's he's making plays against third team offenses. And I really like his skill set. I think he's quick. I think he's stout. I think he's good at the point of attack, heavy handed, has pass rushing moves, can counter. But for whatever reason, it doesn't seem like the Giants are as interested in him as maybe I am or others are. And I think ultimately he might get released. And I think another team is going to quickly come in and scoop him up and he'll be on an active roster in due time. Well, let me ask you this. Actually, I was going to ask you about this. What is Zimenez shown that you think is a better fit or, or the coaches might think is a better fit for what they're doing as opposed to Roche? I think he's just quicker and a little bit more agile in space. And I think he can drop into coverage a little bit better than Quincy Roche. I don't think Quincy Roche is inept at doing that, but I think they appreciate that. I know Brian Dable has talked about O'Shane Zimenez and how they appreciate just his big body. I feel like he does a pretty good job on those cut blocks, avoiding them. Then this game, I watched some of the all 22 of the, of the defense does a really good job avoiding that trash and keeping up and keeping that rushing lane narrow whenever the opposing offenses are running like split action and they bring the H back to, to, to cut the end man on the line of scrimmage. 
ultimately though, this is a guy, man, who, who is on the last year of his deal, who's been here for several years. He's had injury issues. I just think there's a lot more upside with Quincy Roche. I think you can maybe do a little bit more with O'Shane Zimenez, and maybe that's why they, they like him just because he has a more diverse skill set. But man, I, I just think Quincy Roche is the better player with more upside. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, ultimately who knows, maybe they, they dangle him for a trade. Maybe it's I possible. Mean, we haven't heard anything about it, but um, you know, Roche, I, I, he, he's probably, I, I think we go back to last year. He was probably the most physical guy they had in that edge rusher group. It seemed so. like it last season. He was more physical than Aziz Ojolari. And that's why Aziz ended up being the and whole smarter group. too. <laughs> and smarter too, because you know, with Zimenez, you know, Last year, remember what, what caused Zimenez to be banished to the bench? He was making these mental errors and committing stupid penalties. And we actually saw a little bit of that carry over this summer. Now, it did get better, but I thought, oh, my gosh, here we go again. You know, because you're right. Zimenez, I think, is more athletic, quicker, and whatnot. But, you know, part of it's also the intel. you know, it's got to be up here. And I don't know. I mean, I get a little bit nervous when I see – teams run at Zimenez because I'm not so sure he's stout against a run. Definitely not as stout as Quincy Roche, in my opinion. And uh, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's, it's strange with, with that debate between O'Shane Zimenez and, and Quincy Roche. I, I just, I'm not really a hundred percent certain on why they would not go the Roche route, but it just seems like snap cat wise. They're, they're not exactly given that. And I don't know how to quantify this Patty, but it seems like, Quincy Roche has risen to the occasion in big plays, right? And it, it, there hasn't been many opportunities for him to do so, but you go back to the Raiders game last year. This is a rookie. He beats, I think it was Colton Miller around the edge, bends through contact, using his hands very efficiently at the top of the arc, separates and then sacks Derek Carr to end the game. And that's a that's a big play moment. I don't think we've had a big play like that throughout O'Shane's entire tenure here with the New York Giants. And then you just see in preseason, and yeah, I get it, it's preseason. You know, third and one, Quincy Roche is there for the stop. He's shooting inside. Mm-hmm. He's making tackles for losses. I just think when when the lights are bright, Quincy Roche rises. And, and I appreciate that. I don't really want to let that go, but we'll see tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to see it go either. So, all right, let's look at inside linebackers. Cam Brown, Austin Calitro, Carter Coughlin, Tate Crowder, Blake Martinez, Micah McFadden. Giants, of course, without Darian Beavers, who would have been a lock to make this team. I think uh, uh, Martinez is a lock. Uh, Cam Brown, we can say, is going to be a lock for special teams only. But after that, toss up, I think. And uh, I'm not sure. I think I had four on my initial list. But um, what do you see for this position? I can easily see four, Patty. I actually had five, though. And Mm. I had Calitro making it over Carter Coughlin. I'm not. 100% 100% confident that will happen. But if the preseason games mean something, man, this kid has earned it, right? I don't know what's going on in training camp and in practice. And ultimately, I don't know if he has a roster spot here. But if you're asking me, Carter Coughlin or Austin Calitro, I'm going to go with Calitro because he has just made play after play in each of these preseason games. Not even just smart plays undercutting that running back's route to get the interception or being in the right position against Bailey Zappi with the Patriots getting that interception in that specific game. But he's really aggressive coming downhill when asked to blitz. He's pretty good in his run fits. He's instinctive. He needs to do a better job keeping his chest clean, which is something that Carter Coughlin definitely struggles with as well with his short arms. But if you're just asking me of those two, who would I choose? I think I would choose Kalitra. I mean, that 22-yard run by Zonovan Knight 
that was to the play side of Carter Coughlin, who just got glued onto the offensive guard that was climbing. And then Ryder Anderson almost had a tackle for a loss on that play. But the fact that Carter Coughlin wasn't in position to make the tackle led to that 20-something yard gain. You don't want to see that. So I just think Calitro has played better than Carter Coughlin up to this point, who has been pretty silent all throughout training camp. But I don't yeah. know if they're going to carry five. He also, I, he also had the injury. Don't forget, Coughlin was injured yeah. uh, earlier in the uh, in the summer. So and I don't know what it was, but he did come back. And but uh, yeah, he he's not somebody whose number showed up a whole lot in my notes. But doesn't yeah. mean anything. But all the, right, I'll, I'll say this though, Patty. If he does make the team, I think he's probably one of those final Special roster teams. guys. Mm-hmm. Well, that one of those final roster guys who might just get the axe because the Giants like somebody else from another team. They're going to bring them in. Yeah, that's true. I mean, again, there's going to be movement all week long, probably oh. for the first couple of weeks. And as a reminder, guys who are on the, the uh, week one roster, they become guaranteed. So the Giants, as well as the rest of the NFL, they do have kind of like a little window where they can finagle the roster a little bit. Um, I'm not, I, I got to look up the exact date when, when the IR window opens up, I got to look up when the, the uh, top 51 rule ends. I know those are coming up, but all that's going to factor into the roster movement. That's going to be coming down the pike, um, over the next, you know, several days. So, all right, folks, I was a reminder, we have, uh, defensive backs, uh, safeties and, and cornerbacks. We'll talk about that next. Have to run one more commercial. And then if you have questions for myself or for Nick, we will take a few of them towards the end of the show once we go through the entire roster projection. So let's uh, take a quick break, and we'll be right back. All right, Giant fans, we have more coming up on today's Locked On Giants podcast. But first, you ever have a night where you're just hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks? A few drinks then becomes too many, and as the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think about calling for a ride. But then you say to yourself, nah. I live nearby. I can make it home okay. It's not a big deal. Well, it is a big deal because everybody knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think it's okay to drive after having a few drinks, please think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. All right, Giant fans, thank you for your patience. Welcome back. We are with Nick Filato. We are going through the Giants roster possibilities. And really, this is a Rubik's Cube. I mean, this is as complex of a, of a puzzle that uh, you're going to find because you know, working against us from the media is we don't know exactly how Shane views putting together a roster. Dable has given very few hints. We don't know the full extent of the injury situation. So all we can do is take educated guesses. And that's what we're trying to do here. And Nick, we are approaching a, a group of uh, position players where there are going to be some questions and, you know, let's, let's go with the easy one because I think the, the, uh, the harder one is going to generate a lot more discussion. <laughs> let's start off with the safeties here. Now they did cut uh Yusef Corker. So we have Belton, Julian Love, Xavier McKinney and Trenton Thompson. Um, any changes to that? Anything that you, and I, and I didn't put uh, Nate Metters on here because I have Nate Metters on actually on cornerback, but he can play safety as well. But uh, what's your thought on safety? 
I think it's simple. I think Dane Belton's healthy. It's going to be Belton, Love, McKinney, and then Trenton Thompson. And the Giants basically told everyone as much when Trenton Thompson rolled out there over Yusef Corker with the first first team defense yesterday. And interesting note, Nate Metters played the most defensive snaps of anybody else. And he was playing with the first team. I think they wanted to get a look. I felt like he was pretty aggressive in run support, but I don't think he'll make the team. I just think the Giants looked at Metters and Yusef Corker, and that was the real competition and not Thompson, who was above both of them. And Thompson had an excellent play, staying square to Michael Carter. The Giants blitzed both of their corners, and they crashed inside. So basically, they had pursuit linebackers, and it was to the boundary, so the field was a little restricted. But it was Trenton Thompson against Michael Carter in open space, and he made one heck of a tackle. So I, I liked him coming out of school. I know he tested bad at the combine, but I think he's a better athlete than that, and I think he's going to make this 53, Trenton Thompson, that is. What makes him a good fit for this defense, you think? I think he can handle a lot of different responsibilities. I think if you need him to play man coverage, he can do so. And he did that in the game against CJ Usama. I think he carried one of his routes up vertically and did a pretty solid job. If you need him to play a deep half in a too high defense, yes. I think he can play post, which is you know single high, middle of the field closed. It's not something maybe you want him to do too much, but he does have range. He's long and he's very physical and he wants to hit you in run support and he provides pop on contact. He's good at the catch point in terms of just being aggressive and playing physically through the catch point. So I, I like those aspects of him. If you date back to his time at San Diego State, he's pretty good on special teams too. And we haven't really seen him flash on special teams, or at least I haven't. But I think that is something else that can assist him in making the roster. All right. Now, before we get to cornerbacks, I just briefly want to touch on the specialists. Now, Ryan Santoso has been cut, but the guy I want to ask you about is Jamie Gillen. Jamie Gillen, in the beginning, inconsistent. Got a little bit better. You know, Thomas McGahee, the special teams coordinator, talked about needing to see Jamie Gillen uh, improve his uh, his uh, dis- hang time distance ratio. Do you think the Giants are set with, with Gillen uh, as their punter here, or could they maybe look to do better? I think they're set with Gillen. I mean, I haven't been upset with him. I think he averages, I think it was like 48 yards per kick. It could be a little bit more than that, but some of that, you know, was directional kicks. Some of them were trying to pin the opponent down at the 10 yard line. He had one kick that was beautiful. And I believe it was Khalil Dorsey did a good job getting his hands on it, but couldn't keep it out of the end zone. So yeah, I I'm fine with Gillen. He's not someone that I'm like, oh, they have to replace. I, I feel like there are a lot of holes on this roster. The Giants need to look at Gillen right now. Isn't one of them for me, but if you know, a great punter became available that wasn't dealing with a lot of off the field type of stuff, then maybe you could look in that direction or at least just keep him in mind. But as of right now, I, I've been fine with Gillen. Yeah. And of course he's a left footed punter, which gives him an advantage obviously. Um, but, and like you said, he did, he started off shaky, but he got a little bit better. Uh, the coverage team obviously needs to to tighten things up a little bit, but that should settle in once Thomas McGay, he knows who he's going to have. All right, Nick, brace yourself. Cornerbacks. Oi, what a mess. <laughs> what do we what do they do here? I mean, I mean, you've got Holmes, Jackson, um, Aaron Robinson, our, our keepers, Cordell Flott is going to be a keeper. I think they like Zion Gilbert, but I don't know, man. This group, you know, outside of those those first few doesn't really wow me. Does it wow you or or uh now, what do you think? Did they maybe go outside to get somebody? They have to go outside 
to get somebody. They already went outside twice to get two people, and they just released one of them, and Elijah Griffin, who wasn't all that impressive here, but they got him from Buffalo. And Harrison Hand, I think he only played like 15 or 17 defensive snaps. He gave up that one touchdown to Denzel Mims, but he's an interesting player that I think could make the 53 if the Giants don't find somebody that they like more in free agency. But let's go through it, Patty. I mean, I think it's an ugly group. I think it's ugly at the starter position just because you don't know what you're getting from Aaron Robinson. And I like Aaron Robinson. I think he has talent. I just think he needs to be more disciplined and play with better technique, as Jerome Henderson would say, specifically with his hips and his feet when he's carrying vertical routes. But I think he is a good athlete, and I think he can be physical. It's just he's had a bad preseason. He's had a couple plays that have been good, but nobody's looking at them because he's getting circled by offensive coordinators and quarterbacks, and he's getting attacked. And that's exactly what's going to happen week one, week two, and he has to rise to the occasion. He has to be more disciplined in those situations. And I'm a little bit nervous about that because you have a Dory Jackson who's he's, he's a pretty good stud over there. You're not going to attack a Dory Jackson when you can attack Aaron Robinson. I don't want this to be a Corey Ballantyne situation. Mm. Remember when Corey Ballantyne, they just circled him. They just attacked Aaron Rodgers, just throwing the football at that kid all the time. And I hope it's not like that because I like the skill set of Aaron Robinson, but I'm not confident that it's going to work as the number two cornerback outside in this system that relies so heavily on man coverage. So that I have issues starting with the starters. And then you get to the depth fatty and it's not great cordell flop missed way too much time for a 170 pound rookie who is trying to learn two positions as a slot overhang and possibly being cross-trained to play outside if something were to happen to aaron robinson fine with darnay holmes and then you have harrison hand who he's just been here for you know very short amount of time and zion gilbert that's probably the guys who make the team but i don't know how many of those guys are actually gonna stick around when the Giants go and pluck guys off of the scrap heap from other teams. Because who are the other players? Rodarius Williams still dealing with injury. I don't know if he's going to be long. He might be IR. Exactly. Might be IR. Darren Evans, he's been picked on a decent amount by third team offenses. I love his length, but just seems lost when the the football's in the air. And then Khalil Dorsey, who was really picked on against the New York Jets by Striebler and and, uh, White, Mike White. Mm -hmm. So... They need to add players. They need to add players. This position is not done yet, and it's a little scary. It's probably the weakest position on the roster. And if Dory Jackson gets injured, which is something that he's done throughout his career, geez, it's it's not good. It's not good. Well, let me ask you this about Aaron Robinson. Do you think he's out of place playing outside, that, that maybe they would be best served putting him back in the slot and getting somebody else for the outside? I do. It's just hard to find outside cornerbacks. I think you look at Aaron Robinson and I think ideally you would want him to be your slot player. I think you can play him as a star, which is something that he did a little bit, which is basically, you know, a a defensive back linebacker hybrid. I think you could do a lot of things with him. And I think they looked at his athletic profile. He's not the longest guy in the world. He's like 10th or 14th percentile, somewhere between them in terms of arm length. But they looked at him and they said, we could probably play this kid outside. There's a lot of potential. And he had good snaps outside last year when he was asked to do so, but it's not translating. At least it hasn't so far in training camp and then just in the short time that he's played in preseason. But who are you going to find that's better option than Aaron Robinson? going to probably have to trade, I would think. Might need to trade. And then even still, I mean, remember when the Giants were weak at cornerback in 2020, they traded for Isaac Yadam. They traded a seventh round pick and they'd get Isaac Yadam from Denver. And Isaac Yadam is not the player that I feel like Aaron Robinson can be. Or that he is, especially as Guyton was better in zone. He was good in run support, which you like to see. But I think Aaron Robinson is probably even better in man coverage and has more athletic ability than a player like Isaac Guyton. So 
I don't know. I look at the situation. I think it's going to be the Achilles heel of this Giants defense. You just hope that the pass rush and the pressure can get home to quick enough instead of relying so heavily on coverage, you know, 20, 25 yards downfield. Because if that pressure doesn't get home, man, it's it's going to be tough sailing for Aaron Robinson in the New York Giants secondary. That James Bradbury cut is going to haunt this team. You know, and, and I can tell you that the Giants wanted, they, they tried to, to make it work. And it just, at the end of the day, it, it couldn't. And uh, the continued fallout of the mismanagement of the cap is to blame for this because you went and you did the one thing if you're a GM that you never want to do, and that is create a hole that is the size of, you know, the Grand Canyon on your roster. Unfortunately, yes. And especially when you have a defensive coordinator who really, really relies on those corners. And it's it's just not a great situation. No, not at all. All right, folks, we're going to take some of your questions in just a bit. So pop them in the comments box. But Nick, let's prioritize, you know, the Giants don't have a lot, whole lot of money. Obviously, it sounds like cornerbacks got to be position number one they address. But what other positions do you think they absolutely positively have got to look to either bring in outside talent or just they maybe they don't have what they need, guys, or because of injuries or whatnot? What are the priorities behind cornerback? So offensive line, if there's somebody that you're confident can step in and adapt to this system, I think tight end. And then I think an outside one that I would not have considered before, but if a surprise player is released, maybe wide receiver. And I Ooh. and I know I know that's that would probably be at the expense of a Richie James, who I feel like has had a really good camp. But if they could get a fast wide receiver, somebody who can create separation, I think that is my bold prediction that they would address. And they they tried to already. They signed a kid who didn't pass his physical. I can't remember his name. And then they added Jalen Moore, who isn't that fast guy. He's not that fast type of guy. So I don't expect that from him. He might end up wind up on the practice squad or something like that. That's all well and good. But if a team cuts somebody who has that game-breaking speed, a la a John Ross from last season, and I'm not saying they're going to bring John Ross back, but a player similar to that who can take the top off of defenses, I would entertain it. I would entertain it, especially because, like you said, Kadarius Tony, he had that injury, or he's dealing with his injury right now. A lot of these guys have been injured throughout their career. You might only carry six, maybe adding another guy, coming at the expense of somebody else on the roster, maybe it's someone like an Austin Calitro, but that's an outside shot one. I think primarily, though, obviously cornerback, offensive line, tight end. Yeah, sounds about right. It's a lot to do and not a lot of money. And, uh, you know, I've worked out some scenarios with Leonard Williams' contract on Giants country. I, I don't know how they're going to make this work. I think Shane is probably keeping his fingers crossed that he can make it work and that there are no more injuries because every time somebody gets injured, guess what? It's going to cost money to replace the guy yeah. because now you're looking at, you know, guys on IR. You're looking at guys on the practice squad, uh, standard elevations, all kinds of things that go in that are going to cost this team. All right, we're going to start taking some of your questions. So let's uh, bring one up from J.C. Silva, who asks about Gates. Nick Gates isn't going to play this year, J.C. I don't see it happening. He's still on the pup, making progress. He's got his eye on returning eventually, but I don't think it's going to be this year. And uh, it's interesting because Gates is in the final year of his contract. So could I see him maybe being brought back next year on a one-year deal? Um, you know, the, the typical show me type of deal. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing. Yeah, I have no problem with that. Gates is a good guy, a good player. You just hope that he can get back to where he was 
prior to the injury. Wouldn't you say, Nick? That's what you would hope. But that was a <laughs> devastating injury. And Nick Gates, man, that guy, he was playing center and then he moved to guard for that game, for that week two game against Washington where he got injured, man. And I just feel so terrible for him because he's done everything his coaches have asked for him from tackle to guard to center to guard. And he gets that injury. And I think he would be such a big part of this offensive line because he adapted well to center and was a pretty, I would say, you know, maybe slightly above average league center. Hope he gets healthy, but I'm not optimistic about it because it was such a gruesome injury. Yeah, it really was. All right. This one's from Tyrone Bowman. Should the Giants swap Holmes and Robinson, moving them both to their natural positions? Holmes, of course, was an outside cornerback. I think it's in college. I don't know. I mean, the size would probably be, I, I guess, the issue there, wouldn't you say? Yeah. I love Darnay Holmes. I, I do. And he was good at UCLA <laughs> playing outside. But Darnay Holmes has like, I think, first percentile arm length. Like he has, I think, the shortest arms of any cornerback. And that means something. And Aaron Robinson, like I said before, he's not the longest, but he's substantially longer than a Darnay Holmes, and he's a little bit bigger. And he's, I guess you could say, a little bit more physical with press. But Darnay, man, and he's small, but that dude is physical. Pound for pound, Darnay Holmes is a beast. But I, I, I think the answer, if you want to replace Aaron Robinson, is not on the roster right now. Yeah, I, I think they're going to, you know, roll with him for better for worse. I mean, at what point, if you're the coach, do you say, look, this, this isn't working? Once he has a game during the regular season where he's unfortunately surrenders like a touchdown and is just picked on and it's just the chains keep moving and then everybody's talking about it. I think at that point is when you is when you probably replace him, which you can argue it's too late at that point. I don't think we're quite there yet, but it hasn't been overly encouraging, has it? Not quite. I mean, he's looked good in, in camp, but see, this is the old, you know, chicken or the egg type of question. When you see these guys in camp, and, you know, they look good. Is it because the coaches are setting them up to look good and the other side not to look good? You know, it's like I use this example of how one day the, the quarterbacks were throwing short to the receivers. They were practicing the back shoulder drill. But yet to watch the quarterback, if you didn't know what they were doing, you'd say, my God, these guys could hit the side of a bar. Yeah, so exactly. that's kind of, you know, surprise, you know. Something you got to keep into to consideration. So another right. thing, Patty too yeah. is is he uh, covering Kenny Galladay a lot in training camp? <laughs> is that why he looks so good? <laughs> I don't remember. Could be. Could Jeez. very well be. So Nightmare. all right, JC JC Silver said he was surprised that Garcia couldn't compete at left guard. Garcia was kind of invisible, wouldn't you say uh, this summer? That's what it seemed like. Yeah, and he ended up starting center. Uh, against the Cincinnati Bengals and maybe it was because Feliciano was dealing with so much and then Bredesen went down kind of early that they figured that they would try Garcia at center just to have a competent body there especially when you're playing someone like Daniel Jones you don't want to throw like a Will Holden in at center like they did for the second team you know you want to make sure you're protecting your star quarterback and he's some or your starting quarterback I should say and he's somebody with center experience but yeah I thought he would be in the mix and it doesn't, it just didn't seem like there was a lot of hype around that. And I'm throwing my boots on the deck out there. But yeah, you're 100% right. All right. Uh, David B. asks, is Kenny G tradable? Is he tradable? I think everybody is tradable. But who's going to want that contract? That contract is a monster. It, yeah, no it's one. an ugly contract. Um, I wouldn't take it if I were a GM, even though I know the Giants would have to 
eat most of the, uh, well, not most of the, what's left of the signing bonus, but you know, you've got guaranteed money tucked in there. It's just it, that, that contract is just one of the worst contracts I've ever seen. Yeah, you would have to find the general manager from draft day, that Jaguars general manager who made that <laughs> stupid trade. That's who you would have to take advantage of. No one's making that trade in the NFL. Yeah, agree. All right, JC Silva, would you prefer the Giants get a middle-of-the-road cornerback or a draft pick for Slayton? I think Slayton's probably going to draw a seventh-rounder would be my guess. I don't see somebody giving up a uh, middle-of-the-road CB, but you know, you never know. You never know, but I think – a uh, draft pick is, is probably what they're going to get if they're able to work out a trade. Do you yeah. think Slayton can bring a, a middle-of-the-road cornerback? No. Nah. The yeah. teams, JC, aren't just releasing middle-of-the-road cornerbacks or trading them for a receiver who's going to be cut in a day. So I, I would love that. I would prefer that, but I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I'm with you on that. All right, Joe Pregiago uh, looks like the gap between quarterback two and quarterback three is closed. What do you think? Closed. Um, he might have meant close there. I think he, yeah, close, I think is what you meant. Yeah. Um, you know what? It's interesting. Tyrod Taylor knows the system too. He's played in this type of system before. I think in Houston is where, where they ran it. Uh, Davis obviously knows it because he ran it firsthand, you know, with, with, with Dable. <coughs> Excuse me. So... I'll take over here, though. In terms of quarterback two, quarterback three, I look at Davis Webb, and I think he stepped up in such a big way. And I know it's preseason, and I know it isn't great. And look at my face. This is this is weird, but yes, we're still live. So Davis Webb and Tyrod Taylor. I think Tyrod Taylor at this point is probably going to make this team, right? You would imagine. I feel like he has underthrown a couple balls. He hasn't been the most accurate quarterback, but he is so poised in the pocket and his ability to maneuver within the pocket has really impressed me. We saw that spin out sack, pick up the first down with his legs. That's the type of extemporization that he brings to the table. And I really appreciate what Tyrod Taylor can do. But in terms of Davis Webb, Man, he really played his way close to being on this roster. So I I respect what I've seen from Davis Webb. I think he can really help the development of Daniel Jones. I think the competition is closer than maybe we originally anticipated. But the Giants brought Tyrod Taylor in here to be the backup. And I think he would ultimately win this job. It's just, do you have a roster spot like Patty and I talked about in the beginning of the episode to carry three quarterbacks and that's what it's going to come down to do you think davis webb is going to slip through the waiver wire that's what it's going to come down to and i'm not 100 percent certain if davis webb would slip through the waiver wire actually i'm kind of certain hey look i'm really close ah there we go and patty's back what's going on pat how you feeling oh no i don't hear you sorry about that there you go <laughs> still still dealing with covid or <coughs> the leftover part of it covid man jeez sucks it sucks it, i don't wish it, it on anybody it got you this late, though. This was your I first know. time with it, right? Yeah. Damn. Bless you, you. You know, this is week number. I mean, I, I'm negative, but you could still hear it in my voice. So, yeah. That's why I've been sipping soda and trying to keep my voice moist. But I apologize, folks. It happens. No, you're, good. you're good. So, thank you for carrying that, Nick. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right. Let's take a couple more because obviously, uh, obviously, my voice is dying on me. So, um, all right. Joe asks the cost if Kenny Galladay is cut. 
Let me look that up. Let me look that up for you. I think it's like 25 dead right now. No, I, th- I don't know about that. Let me see. I want to say it's 4.5. Hold on, I'll get it for you. <clears throat> All right, so if Galladay is cut, it would be a post-June 1st cut. <clears throat> All right, yeah, 4.25 dead money. I'm sorry, 4.25 they would lose, and they would have to eat 25.4 yeah. million in dead. Too expensive. They ain't cutting them. Oh, no it's way. That simple. That yeah. simple. I mean, for better or for worse, they got to keep them. If so. anybody's a roster lock, it's Kenny Galladay. And got to say, man, it just judging off everything training camp, you could forget the past. If money wasn't a thing, Kenny Galladay probably doesn't even make this roster. And that's right. kind of nuts. That's exactly. Nuts. Yeah. All right. Let's take a couple more. Terrence, should we keep Saquon if he balls out this year? Define ball out. I mean, well, let's say let he, me this. Saquon or Daniel, if you have to choose between the two. Well, I don't want to pay a running back a substantial amount of money. I don't want to reset the running back market with a talent like Saquon Barkley. And I don't want to pay Daniel Jones either because I don't think he's really the guy. So I think in a way to cop out of this, which I'm not not even really a cop out because I think it is, it could be a realistic course of action if everything aligns for the New York Giants, short deals. With both these players, they, they've proven to not be able to stay on the football field or be good when they're on the football field in terms of Daniel Jones. So if they were to have career-type years right now, give them a short prove-it deal with incentives and then just evaluate over the next coming season or two, and then you can make your decision. But I don't want to allocate a lot of money to the running back position, and that's one of the big reasons why I was so against that draft pick dating back to 2018. As much as I love Saquon Barkley, I think he's a great dude. I think he's a good running back, one of the best athletes at the position. You just don't select that position in modern NFL in the top five of any draft. Yeah. And that Gettleman again. <laughs> yeah. That, that was a Gettleman move. And the fact that he didn't even look to trade out of it, man, that, that's the thing that made me so angry about it was Sam Darnold thought everyone, no, Sam Darnold's not good, whatever, but everyone thought Sam Darnold Patty was going to be that pick. And he wasn't, it was Baker Mayfield. And there were probably so many teams looking to trade up and he just submitted that ticket. And I just feel like it was such a dereliction of duty. It really was. I mean, you know, look, at the time, I understood why they made that pick, but mm. I thought it was short-sighted. But yeah. it is what it is. So, all right, folks, that's going to do it for us today. I want to thank you all for popping in. Remind you that tonight, over on my Twitter uh, handle, we're doing a Spaces with the Giants Country Gang. Anybody who wants to come in, we're going to talk Giants roster moves, talk Giants in general. Uh, Tommy G will be there. Nick, you're invited if you want to come by. You're always invited. Um, come by. We'll get some of you on, on the program uh, tonight. It will be recorded. Again, that'll be 8 o'clock tonight. And yes, my voice will be fine by then. I'm going to try not to do as much talking, which is probably a good thing if I shut up. But um, appreciate you, you tuning in here to the Lockdown Giants podcast. Don't forget, coming up this week, we have a lot more. We'll have a roster reaction show coming up. The Entertainer will be with us Friday live. We're going to give it another go with a live show. So, so much coming up here on the Lockdown Giants podcast. Nick, appreciate the insight and the times. Always fun getting together with you. 
Thank you so much, Patty. You just feel better, okay? I'm I'm getting there. I'm I honestly am getting there. Just need the voice to come back all the way. So, all right, Giant fans, thank you for tuning in. We will catch you tomorrow.